Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mel Hummer podcast. It is episode one, two, five. I am Mel. Hello. And I'm joined by Elle. Hello, Elle. Hello. And I'm also joined by Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. How are you guys doing? We all good? We feeling pumped? We're on deadline week. We're going to smash a deadline. Got a glimpse of sun. That helps. Yeah, a glimpse. Mate, oh, I, think, a glimpse. I think I burned myself. I went out in the garden for half an hour and had lunch and I came in and I looked pink and I was like, where's my factor 50? I mean, if you're getting burnt now, I've got bad news for you because Friday is going to be about 800 degrees or something in the UK. It is getting toasty out there. Uh, lots of melted goths around the UK, I think. Uh, the latest issue of Metal Hammer is out now. It's a huge look at metal itself in the year 2020. We gathered a ton of big names to talk about some of the pressing issues affecting the metal scene today, uh, amongst many other bands inside the issue. On the cover, we've got Lizzie Hell from Hellstorm, Rob Flynn from Machine Head, Jason Arland Butler from Three Three Fever 333, Christina Scabia from Lacuna Coil, and Jamie Morgan from Code Orange. Uh, as I say, all debating some very, very interesting and in-depth issues. We also find out what a ton of bands from the metal scene got up to during lockdown. Uh, loads of funny little projects, surprise collaborations, all sorts of weird stuff going on. It's all in there. It's out right now in your nearest available shop in the UK or uh, go over to tinyurl.com slash buyhammer to get it delivered straight to your door. Hope you all enjoy it. Um, we were literally just about to jump on this and then Corey Taylor released a new video. So we should probably talk about that first. What are we thinking of uh, Corey Taylor must be stopped? This is the first single of unbelievably his first ever solo album, uh, which is going to be called CMFT. I'm pretty sure that stands for Corey motherfucking Taylor. Uh, out October 2nd via Roadrunner. Um, so yeah, we've all just had a look at the Corey Taylor must be stopped video. What, what are we said about it? What do you reckon, Al? It's very Corey Taylor, and I like how he's leaning into his branding with CMFT as well. Uh, apparently comes from a school nickname, but it just feels like something that he can go really big on and be like, I am CMFT. And in the video, he's obviously got like that wrestling belt. What's it called? Yeah, it's a, it's a wrestling belt. Wrestling yeah, belt. He, he is, a, he is uh, well known for his love of wrestling. Yeah, and you could just see him having that logo all over everything. But the song, yeah, um, it's just a rock song, isn't it? It's just a fun rock song. It's none of this kind of like um, anguish and deep, dark, emotional pain and crazy, intense suffering of Slipknot. It's just, let's go and have a bit of a laugh. Um, I'm CMFT and I've got some celebrity friends really on Zoom has. or whatever to, to give me some messages. We've got Lars um caleb from Beartooth. who yeah. else is in there uh, i spotted rob halford uh i think i saw marilyn manson yeah uh, definitely saw baby hey. metal yeah baby metal was in there um i think i might have, i don't think it was pink but i saw someone that looked like pink and i think maybe it's someone from a band that i don't know as much about and i'm an idiot but i, I thought i saw someone that looked like pink for a second i wasn't sure who i thought was. it was pink um very fucking cool if it is uh and yeah so loads and loads of names good fun um dancing fire ladies and all that business big time yeah, rock and roll that vibes. took me back not seen those for a while have we <laughs> uh well, is it his missus i thought it might be his missus's group oh maybe that's a good point yeah Terry bombs are they called i think yeah um, that's a good point yeah uh so maybe maybe it's them lot um which would make sense because i presume it would be a bit easier to get them all together for the video shoot because it can't be easy like i was quite impressed by what like a proper high level music video it was given the 
difficult circumstances of trying to like get people together and all of that at the moment so yeah it had big production values very shiny yeah it was very shiny and yeah big bouncy dumbass rock and roll song um definitely giving a good idea of the kind of mood that mr taylor is in as he prepares to uh, unveil that first ever solo album i'm sure we'll be doing a lot more on that uh, whole thing in upcoming weeks and months in metal hammer um god there's been loads going on this week what do you think about taylor swift putting out the most black metal pop album cover anywhere ever and, really uh, funny the metal scene just completely losing its mind well i think the metal scene well i mean maybe people reporting on it lost their mind a little bit but the actual people who are involved they didn't actually lose their mind it's ironic because david Thierry, the um the artist for the ishan ep which it bears strong resemblance to his yeah, his whole thing is drawing trolls. And he wasn't really trolling, he took it in good humour. I mean, he pointed it out, but he could have been a lot more pissy about it. Mm. But he just, he took the whole thing in good humour, and so did Ishan. Uh, it's just when it got reported that um, people went, made, made a kind of a bigger story about it than they than, uh, the people involved actually did themselves. The people of the internet hyping stuff up, I, I won't have such slander. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. Didn't the artists say, like, oh, I would have done it for a fraction of the price or something, or half the price? Made a joke about it. I mean, I'll take a fucking photo. I'm not going to say that actually. <laughs> That's just really disparaging to some very stunning album artwork. Um, yeah, uh, like, do we really believe that it's possible that Taylor Swift and, or someone in a sphere could have clocked an Ishan album cover and ripped it off? Is it really likely? I'm not sure. It's in the room. It seems unlikely, but also Google exists. So if you were like Googling dark image of trees record or something, you might see it. I've not tried. What do you think? I mean, what, what are the chances that pictures of a black and white forest are going to look fairly similar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but having said that, like the angle, like the perspective, from the point of view was kind of very similar. Um, you know, the figure was, was kind of very similar too. Um, I don't think it actually matters whether it, it was um, intentionally or not. I just think um, it's just one of those things you don't really know. Just, it's almost like a tabula rasa. You decide which way you're going to fall on it. I mean, I, I, I think... That's a good thing to say. Yeah, very. <laughs> I, 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 I think it would be... Totally on the fence there. <laughs> I think it would be cool as shit if... if... Uh, that was the case. I mean, we, we do know that metal iconography and metal aesthetics and metal visuals influence the mainstream and impact the mainstream like never before, more than ever. I mean, um, they started selling like Iron Maiden t-shirts in pl places like Boohoo now, who I know are problematic. Other outlets are available. Um, but, uh, you know, Top Man and all that and all, this, all the stuff we talked about before, metal's like everywhere these days. Um, except in the charts most of the time uh, but it's just <laughs> why is it not the year 2000 uh, but yeah I mean it's, I guess it's not beyond the rounds of possibility that it's kind of trying to capture that wistful black metal aesthetic and it, she's got previous with this as well because I don't know if you guys have seen the um, seen the album art for her album Reputation yeah so it's like the black and white one and it's kind of got like prints kind of uh down one side of it and the the reputation um uh font 
actually looks quite similar to a font that Marilyn Manson used around Hollywood, but it looks like something that should be out on like Death Wish Records or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely a bit of previous there in kind of seeking out kind of edgy, dark, slightly different aesthetics to what we're used to seeing in pop music, which I know a lot of people don't like, but I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. I'm oh, probably more uh, likely to give it a go if seeing something like that, which probably makes me a little bit fickle, but... I'm quite happy with it. And I hope it brings a bit of attention to David Thierry, who's actually an amazing yeah. uh, artist. Like the detail in his work and the whole world he creates are absolutely incredible. So if it, if it puts some... If it makes people, a few more people aware of him and Ishan, then as far as I'm concerned, that's all to the good. It's not like it's... um a terrible abomination of an album. The uh, It's just a bit dull, the uh, Taylor Swift one. Yeah, I wasn't mad on it. I like the idea that all the Taylor Swift fans who first heard about Tool when Tool knocked her off number one, all those fans went out and listened to Tool and got into metal and now they're going to get into Ishan. That would be good. That would be good. We can all be <laughs> friends, guys. A better world and, is possible. And, and by weird like transference, like you know the new Ishan EP, Pharos is actually pretty poppy and it, it has an aha cover and mm. a um and has a cover of uh Portishead. There you go. It's all coming together. Um yeah, it's it's always fascinating to see <laughs> for, for a genre of music that uh that kind of insists we don't want anything to do with the mainstream. We don't half tend to uh all lose our minds a bit when it throws us well, inadvertently. <laughs> I miss the seventies and the eighties when pop music was totally in, in connection with the art world, whether it's in the seventies, you had um, you had uh, you know Brian Ferry and Roxy Music. In the eighties, you had a lot of art students making great pop music. So I'm I'm actually all for this as long as it's like informed good pop. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I mean I've got nothing with pop being treated just as as much as any other genre of music should be. You get good pop and bad pop, and uh, you know it's certainly got people talking anyway. Um, I feel like these kind of surprise albums things, uh, I'm sure it's not the last we've heard of them. And it's only really been Avenged that have done it on a proper level like that so far. But um, uh, I'm sure they won't be the last to give it a go. We shall see. Uh, have either of you guys seen uh, about this new Aussie documentary that's coming out? The Nine Lives of Ozzy Osbourne? I only heard about it from you, Merlin. Oh, well, aren't I the harbinger of news? Um, (laughs) uh, yeah the nine lives of Ozzy Osbourne is going to feature exclusive interviews and archival footage Uh, it was produced by the A&E network where it's going to air uh, directed by R. Greg Johnson and his wife and manager Sharon and son Jack Osbourne are among the executive producers on the project and there was a uh, they released a kind of early clip from it uh, talking about how um, Ozfest was first formed it's an interesting one because I feel like that's a story that's as old as time itself you know, Lollapalooza thought that Ozzy was too old enough to go on their bill. So Sharon made their own festival instead. And thus a legend was born. Um, but I'm sure there'll be lots of people that maybe don't know that and will be interested in this from a more like, oh, Ozzy, he's a fun television personality. I will watch this. Oh, look, there's some stuff about music too. I think that's uh, becoming more common now just with music documentaries in general they seem to just get more traction outside of the music world if it's a good story and it's got enough publicity people and it's on like you know netflix or whatever other streaming services are available then people will watch it <laughs> yeah put, putting my subbing head on if if they are new interviews wouldn't they isn't it, then they then of course they'd be exclusive 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I said features exclusive interviews and archival footage, to be fair. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was you were quoting from, from a press release, but... Um... Well, I was quoting from what uh, uh, was on the Metal Hammer website, actually. <laughs> uh. I think I think maybe unseen interviews would be the best way to put it. Maybe stuff that, from from what I saw from the clip, it didn't look like very recently... Uh, produced stuff like right. it looked kind of like 90s early 2000s uh, era um, the stuff that Sharon and Ozzy were talking about but um, I'm sure there'll be plenty more stuff on there as well that we have yet unseen yeah we have unseen that didn't make sense we have we not, have seen. not yeah. seen but, but if Sharon and Jack are like executive producers um, you'd have thought they might give them access for some new interviews <laughs> Well, that's uh, that's I, I imagine so. I don't really know, <laughs> to be honest. We've got limited info on this so far, um, but uh, I mean, obviously, Ozzy's well, Ozzy's Ozzy has done a few interviews. He's been like in pretty bad shape the last couple of years, hasn't he? Bless him. So um, I don't know if this is something he's contributed to heavily recently. We will find out. Uh, but he's recording new music, isn't he? As we, as we mentioned before, so he's obviously feeling up to some stuff, which is nice. Uh, oh, you talk about corn. I'm talking. I'm about excited. <laughs> I texted you about this last night. You did, so, yeah. <laughs> corn um, have released a cover of "The Devil Went Down to Georgia." Um, it's a cover they've released for charity, and um, it's obviously a cover of the Charlie Daniels hit from 1979. And about 30 seconds in, Jonathan Davis goes, "Boy." Yeah, that was good. <laughs> It's a really cool cover, and you know, following this, we're like, "Is the Corn Covers album going to come out? Will they finally do it?" And when I spoke to Head for the magazine at the beginning of lockdown, he was saying, "Oh, maybe with this extra time, we could do a Corn Covers album." And you know, you kind of think, "Oh, maybe that's just something nice someone said." And now they've released this. It's like maybe they actually did get together and record some covers. That would be nice. Ooh. Well, yeah, we we unveiled um, one of the covers they had in their vault uh, years ago for our thirtieth anniversary issue. Um, their version of "We Care a Lot" by Faith No More, which was awesome. Um, did yeah? Did you so you like this cover? You liked what they did with it? Because the start of it, it's it was so fast and kind of almost sounds like a Dragon Force track for that opening bit. I was like, "What is this chord? Am I listening to the right <laughs> thing?" And then it kind of settles down. And you know, like, oh, there it is. Thought it was fun. <laughs> okay it's good. were you expecting more yes you're really um, jealous i don't know i just thought it was fun it's just like a fun and interesting song and jonathan's spoken before i think about country music and you know a lot of metal musicians have spoken on the impacts of country music on metal and how country is actually sometimes heavier than metal because it has really heavy emotional themes and it talks about um, very difficult topics and so metal and country actually kind of go okay together, like maybe more than you would think. And obviously I'm a corn fan, so I probably am going to like it. You know, I'm not expecting um, everything they do ever in the world to be amazing, but it's a cool cover and it's for a good cause, which I'm just actually going to check which charity it's for. Can you remember? You can buy it not anyway. Off the top of my head, but um, yeah, you can find out uh, via the Metal Hammer website or via you the. Can. It's on the Metal Hammer website. Metal I'm for just good looking thing. at it. Just talk about it for a minute and then I can find the information. Uh, it is I... donated to Awakening Youth, a charity set up to help young people dealing with the loss of a parent. There you go. You so can find it on Bandcamp. 
I know a lot of bands who wish they could write a country song. And I think it's because they see country music as being a really honest form of music. Yeah. Like it really gets down to the nub. And um, yeah, if you write a country song and you don't have that kind of self-honesty, it can go very badly. Yeah, understandable. Um, yeah, country is an interesting one to me. It's not something I've ever delved into heavily because uh, the kind of commercial front of it is always a little bit basic, to say the least. But um, listen, listen to Patsy Klein. That's some of the greatest music ever made. Okay, I will. Patsy Klein. There you go. I'll yeah. take that on board. Um, but yeah, you will not find many significant, especially American uh, metal artists and musicians who don't love a bit of country music. And what are they going to cover next? That's the question. Who corn? Yeah. Oh man, God knows. I mean, who knows? So Taylor many Swift. <laughs> Abba, I hope. Fucking hell! Get me, get me, get me! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they could definitely do that. I would definitely listen to that. Um, fucking hell! I don't even know how we're going to start or finish or get our heads around this week's album of the week. Yeah. One of the most unique. Uh, bands in metal today reaching absolute peak form which with what is uh, could be end up being kind of the most talked about and definitive extreme metal release of 2020 uh, so out this friday is an album by imperial triumphant called alphaville and this band are just fucking bat shit i don't even know how else to be, kind of begin as a as a as a kind of takeoff point for them um masked and robed uh, which is a very kind of common theme with a lot of extreme metal bands but the kind of the whole visuals of them the the image they portray even the actual kind of costumes and masks themselves what they're writing about uh, and the kind of just general vibes and multifaceted chaos of their music is just totally unlike anything else in the extreme metal scene um Jonathan, you were unsurprisingly on these guys way before the rest of us. So yeah. how, where, yeah. kind of where they've come from and, and this whole kind of New York thing that's tied into their identity, which is what made me really fascinated with them in the first Yeah, I'm, I mean, the masks are kind of drawn from, the, you know, the gold mask with the spikes um, uh, and, the, and the horns. They're all drawn from like New York's Art Deco architecture, like the gold architecture. So, um, yeah, so it's basically, it's a kind of like a psychogeography of New York of like, it's New York as a state of mind. Um, and they're not the first people to treat New York in such a way. And they're not the first extreme metal band to write about urban life with a kind of like really trippy hallucinogenic feel to them. But um, no one's done it about New York and no one's, no one's kind of done it about a place with such a level of kind of precision and awareness and just general topsy-turviness that um, is very much sometimes your, you know, your, your experience of New York. So it, um, you know, there's a bit of death, black, death metal, there's a bit of black metal. There's a lot of jazz in it. Yeah, uh, so much jazz. So, you know, it's like jazz is kind of like roving, ambulatory travelogue, like taking impressions as you, as you go past. Um, but just, you know, they're kind of fleeting it. And New York, some, if you've been to New York, it can be that kind of it's a combination of very different things, like a very fleeting experience of like a lot of things rushing past you, you can't take it all in. But at the same time, there's something really towering over you, like the, you know, that in the first time you see the New York skyline, it's just like, you know, 
it's it's such a weird experience the first time you ever see the New York skyline if you take take a cab from JFK because it's like it's one it's just the sheer presence of it but also you have in your head all these images you have from like movies mm-hmm. um, and you know it's almost like this kind of legendary thing like a, almost like a dream state and they like sort the of Emerald com- City or something just kind yeah of- they combine all that so there's two movies that they've really uh, referenced and weirdly they're both um, European uh movies that were heavily inspired by new york uh fritz lang's metropolis so the whole imagery of this um you know totally futuristic skyscraper um you know city um and it's made in 1927 a silent movie very much about the rich and the poor but in a really odd weird way with um rogue robots and um and, and lots of other things um and the new album, Alphaville, the name's taken from a French New Wave movie called Alphaville. And, if, and that, again, like both films, they've got stories, but they're more of an experience. And, um, and the great conceit about Alphaville, it's supposed to be set in this kind of futuristic Paris. That's obviously, there's lots of references to New York in the movie. But, um, and it's this kind of futuristic Paris that's in like a, a different kind of universe. But it's actually all shot in. It was actually shot in like in the sixties in modern day Paris. So they had all these um, stark modernist buildings that had been suddenly put up, and they're really alienating. And so it just it, fil- it was filmed in the present, but it was actually sp- supposed to be this completely futuristic dystopian city, and that really ties in with a lot of the themes that uh, Paul Chapman is singing about, which is this idea that you know the dystopia is here and now, the um, the sense of um, powerlessness and you know cities of wealth and power that exist in this whole mesh and this whole kind of dynamic of a city and so yeah it's just like walking around in a city but you've got compound eyes you're just seeing it from every angle all at once but the songs have a real swing and a groove to them once you get once you play the album enough they kind of start to um you know it starts to coalesce and it's into something you can actually hold in your head and it carries bits of um, barbershop music and bits from um, kind of big band music, you know, as fleeting, as fleeting sort of bits, but they're, they're, they're folded in really well. So it goes through the whole history of New York City, and it's, but it's all just in this one constant moment that you're in. And um, it's, it's very discordant, but it's an absolutely exhilarating experience. And it's totally keyed in to, you know, the experience to people's experience of New York and their experience of New York. Yeah, I mean, that's, we won't find them, you, you will not find a more uh, succinct kind of take on this band and that album than that. Although I have to say that uh, Dean Brown's um, lead review in our new issue uh, is great as well and really goes into a lot of those things that Jonathan just mentioned. Um, this is absolutely, for me, one of those albums that is, I mean, every album's an experience, but this isn't, can't, sitting down and listening to this isn't like listening to, you know, anything i can't i struggle to even find obvious sonic reference points for it because it's so well experimental and just wildly inventive um there is one really obvious sonic reference point uh which is virus the uh, norwegian band um that were also came out of a band called red brenzender which is one of the first norwegian bands to take black metal into avant-garde territories what was the name of the band they came out of sorry uh red brenzender 
Ved Renzenta. Okay, we have we have Ved, on the podcast on the yeah. uh, readers page. Often yeah. say they can't keep Ved, up. Ved Renzenta, who just reformed. Actually, they were supposed to play Inferno this year, um, and that was a that was a very kind of uh, off centered, very sort of constantly roving take. But um, it, uh, voices, um, you know, from London. They had an album called London, and that was a very sort of weird, trippy walking through London at four in the morning off your head kind of feel to it. Mm. Uh, so that, so it, it does have um, precedence. Um, if we look back in it, you know, there's a lot of kind of black metal that's, that's, that's taken the urban environment rather than forests as their sort of, as their theme. And, and you can, and you can really, you know, London by voices really feels like a London hour. In the same way that Alphaville really feels like it couldn't be made anywhere else but New York. But New York. Yeah, it's it's so amazing how that kind of per, that, that kind of sense, like you said, of like chaos and something that's so chaotic, but all, also part of a bigger whole, really permeates the permeates the whole record. Um, you know, this, this is an album that I I can't I can't say that I'm going to sit and listen to every day because it's such a bewildering uh, experience. Um, in the same way that I wouldn't want to walk into the centre of Manhattan every single day, <laughs> but like when you're in the right mood through it um it's it's a stunning piece of work and uh i honestly think whatever your relationship is with extreme music you should give this record a go because it's so unique and it's such an amazing experience to kind of just lose yourself in um yeah it's out on, it's out on friday via century media it's called alphaville and the the band are called imperial triumphant and uh there's definitely a sense that people are excited about this band as well uh, the reaction we've kind of had to them when we covered them online has been pretty decent already so maybe um you know a potential minor breakout band from that scene which would yeah, be I, saw, I saw i saw on plant roadbend last year and the response was just absolutely ecstatic but the show itself the whole setting they did was absolutely incredible really yeah they had um yeah i mean they had they had um, images on the backdrop from um from alphaville but the whole stage was kind of shot in this kind of soft gray light so so the same cast as those 1920s films this kind of soft silver nitrate cast um and it was like reflecting off the um gold masks and oh, yes cool. and it was just such a an immersive experience i had a trumpet player come on and yeah it's something very elegiac it's just like i don't know part it's like if you if you it's like listen if you listen to sun like chopped up and rearranged constantly it had that kind of same sort of like grandeur and sort of feel of an energy to it. Mm. And when it ended, people just like, just couldn't believe it. It was just incredible. They're so cool. They're so cool. And I love how different they are and the, and the vibe they, they kind of go for um, while still managing to make it fit within the kind of core sound of what they do. Uh, make sure you check out that album. Uh, it will certainly leave an impression on you. Uh, I can promise you that when it's out on uh, Friday. And as I said, it's a lead review as well. If you want to read some more about it in the new issue of Metal Hammer. And uh, I have a sneaky suspicion Jonathan might have a little something he's been working on on this. <coughs> Maybe able to read uh, down the line. I say uh, nothing. Sorry? I say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> for now for now uh let's take some reader questions slash listener questions as well i guess uh, metal hammer no what am i saying facebook.com slash metal hammer readers is the place to be 
Uh, David Savage had a very nice message for us. He just wanted to post and say, I, I just wanted to say thanks for keeping us all entertained the last few months between the mag, the podcast and the feedback radio show. Team Hammer have been a bit of a lifesaver. Keep up the sterling work. All. What a lovely thing to say. Oh, thanks, David. That's a really nice thing to say. Um, it's good for us, I think, as well. We're all so enthusiastic about what we do and the music we've heard. And it's really nice to get on and chat about it and be excited about things. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, we love doing this stuff and uh, we are, I know it might seem like something that it's, that it's our jobs to say, but thank fuck it's been such a banging year for metal so far because it's really helped kind of through all this madness and chaos because we have had so much to talk about despite the fact that the world stopped for a few months there. I've um, also been um, educated by uh, both you and Jonathan on various things and last week Jonathan educated me on the word supernatural, didn't you? By saying that it was super from the Latin. So after that conversation, I thought, maybe I need to learn a bit more Latin. So look, guys, look what <laughs> arrived in the post today. What? Are you serious? You're doing Latin? Yeah. Wow. Elle's holding up. This is, this is audio format, by the way. Elle's holding <laughs> up a uh, Cambridge Latin course, book one. Look at that. I'm not probably actually like going to learn Latin, but this book's really cool. It's got like loads of words like super and supra. It's got loads of words and then it tells you what the meanings are. And obviously because Latin languages are from Latin, it's really interesting to see all the words and how we've changed them into slightly different words that mean the same thing. <laughs> well, I won't put you on the spot now, but I reckon for next week, you should <laughs> blow our minds with like a Latin phrase of the day or something. Okay. And it has to I'll sound metal as fuck. <laughs> okay. I've already found one word that means ring, which is, uh, you can probably guess what that word is. What? Don't make me say it. Well, I don't know. You have to say it now, or there'll be dead air. <laughs> say it, do it. I think, I don't know how to pronounce it. Probably annulus. Oh. <laughs> 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 I wonder why you weren't saying it. Annulus. That sounds like a really like naughty <laughs> Harry Potter spell or something. <laughs> so yeah, there's certain bands that have that Annulus. word. Annulus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's that's set the bar. <laughs> that's that's the highbrow word that I've learned today. Um, but yeah, it's that. like it's like a whole actual textbook. It says like it shows you all different things. Like it's all based on a family that actually lived in Roman times and it's got all different bits of Roman history. Oh, I've just found a fish. There's a, like a tiled mosaic of some seafood. Oh, that's a bit sad. I like fish. There's a bit about um, a man who had a dog and he's got like a mosaic on his wall of the dog. Um, I'm just having a flick through, by the way. I've not read this yet. Yeah, the you ca you just carry on. I'll just read your book. The we'll theatre at Pompeii. Um, the Gladiators. That's pretty metal. The arena. Oh, it's really good, actually. Very excited. <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. All right, next week we'll have Elle's metal phrase of the week or, or something. Maybe we'll Latin think corner. Um, Jonathan, Latin please, take this, uh, please take this <laughs> next yeah, so, philosophical question from Joe Fleischer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very metaphysical question. Joe Fleischer asks, is a hot dog a sandwich? Ooh. Now, I'm, I have opinions on this. All right, go on. No. And I'll tell you why. What? It's not a sandwich because it's hinged. 
a sandwich is two separate slices. If you say something's sandwiched between things, they're not like joined. The, the things it, it's, it's um, sandwiched between isn't joined. So because it's a hinged, in my book, it's not a sandwich. Is like, every hot dog hinged? I've definitely had hot dogs that have not been hinged. I think we're, just, we're talking about the, the ideal hot dog. Yeah, the perfect mm-hmm. Brighton Pier hot dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, the ultimate hot dog, which is hinged, and is therefore it's not a sandwich. That was a very succinct way of putting what I thought as well. It's kind of stuck into the middle of a bun. It's not between two slices of bread. But does that yeah, mean that, that is a sandwich? To quote some band, you've got to keep them separated. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is a sandwich. It's something in some bread. So I think it's a sandwich. But Jonathan has just provided a really good <laughs> argument there. And you've just said, you've just... Yeah, also... For real reason. Also, you know, you, know where the, you know where the term sandwich came from? Yeah, actually, do you know what? This is... You guys laughed at me. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago... The Guardian ran this feature and it was on the history of the sandwich. And I, I do was, like, remember really that. Fucking hell, I do remember that. Oh my God. I was like really obsessed with this feature because it's a long read. So it takes about 10 minutes to read. It's all about I remember like, this our God. love affair yeah, with yeah. sandwiches. And I was like sharing the link with you guys. I was like, this is the best feature I've read like this year. Um, it's a very good feature. Go look that one up. Yeah, well, don't. Yeah. Um, but it, was, it was but the other sandwich was between two pieces of bread. Where, wherever do you find could go and um into the supermarket and find a sandwich and it's hinged yeah it wouldn't happen i'm just trying to find this big sandwich feature because i feel no, like oh no it wasn't good two years ago don't bring it up the fucking is. sandwich feature again this could be like the new ice cream it's so good oh, it was between like he asked for some meat between two slices of bread and um he didn't ask just open up a loaf hinged and what, you're talking about the earl of sandwich yeah yeah that I'm trying to find the history section in this piece because it was very informative. Um, you should have come prepared for this. You should have done your research beforehand. But I didn't know you were going to say something about it being hinged. Um, uh, so, Al, if, if, I just, if I just stuck a wiener between two slices of bread, you'd call that a hot dog? Mm. It depends on the type of sausage as to whether it would be a hot dog or a sausage sandwich. Well, okay, so it's a hot dog sausage, but it's just two yeah. two pieces of white bread. You'd call that a hot dog? Yeah. What? No, it's not though, is it? That's a sausage sandwich. No, I'd say that's a hot dog. No, you're, it's not. You're, you're, you're linguistically loose. <laughs> <laughs> did you, when you were a kid, did you ever, I mean, probably still people eat them now, but I don't know, I've not had one for years. You could get those like hot dogs that came in a tin and then you would like, Boil them. Yeah, my granddad always had them. And you would boil them and then you would eat them. Yeah. I always thought they were hot dogs, but we didn't always have hot dog bread. I can't believe this is the probably the longest answer we're going to give on the podcast. I knew is it was it? going to be the longest answer. <laughs> is it the North-South divide? <laughs> no, I just, I just told you I had, a, I had those um, little sausages. But um, my granddad was from Wales. So I don't know what that means. for the. North- oh, okay. So maybe there is a North-South divide. Oh, I just don't know. I just don't know. Anyway, hot dog is not a sandwich. Oh, wait, I've just found about the Earl of Sandwich. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> That's when I thought I was out. They pulled me back in again. 1745. Uh... I can't believe she's found a way to bring up this fucking article again. This was a thing in the Mount Hammer office for about two weeks, so she kept on talking about it, and we were all just like, oh, shut up about the fucking hot dog thing. I mean, sandwich thing. Really good. I'm not going to read it all now. You guys can enjoy it at your leisure. Good. That was a worthwhile experiment. Thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) 
let's t- get let's get stuff serious. Uh, Alistair Belling asks for our favourite metal band out of Africa, and I know at least two of us have the same answer here because we just found the fucking banging one. Yeah. Um, did you have one, El? Um, yeah, I've got a couple. I was just going to go with Overthrust, who are a death metal band. Um, death metal is not my favourite of the metal subgenres, but they do it with a lot of passion and conviction. They're probably the biggest metal band in Botswana. Where are they from? In Botswana. And um, the main guy in the band has got a daughter named Eleanor. So what more do you want? But no, they're just a, just really interesting and fascinating. And there's been quite a few documentaries on them as well. So you can see interviews with them online. You can listen to their music online. And just a cool thing to kind of immerse yourself in and um, just kind of be have this experience. It's like an experience listening to it. And then, um, yes, yeah, so they're from Botswana. And then from South Africa, there's a band called Deity's Muse, who we've had in the mag before. Um, and they're a progressive metal band. So complete, the complete like opposite end of the spectrum to Overthrust. Um, and they're just a really good progressive metal band with uh, just a good band to sort of sit back and listen to and digest and enjoy. Um, so yeah, I kind of just wanted to pick two extremes really, both good bands. Very, very fine choices indeed. Yeah, definitely go check out both of those. Um, we recently got an email about a band called uh, Duma, who are, uh, these these guys are so good. They're a Kenyan duo, uh, they're from Nairobi, and they basically play this insanely heavy, kind of pummeling mix of grindcore with like really heavy EDM uh, kind of bits of dub in there. Loads of really interesting tribalistic beats woven into a lot of the music as well. Um, and... Uh, Basically, go and look up the Lion's Blood video. So the band called Duma, D-U-M-A. Go look at the Lion's Blood video because it's one of the most stark and affecting and interesting uh, metal videos I've seen all this year. Yeah, I actually I, completely forgot that you showed us that last week and it was just the most amazing video It was It's crazy. Yeah, I, lo- I love that record. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of power electronics, so it kind of reminds me of um, like bands like White House. Um, and it's just they have yeah just the texture of i mean it's just it's again it's totally bewildering but the texture of the noise they create is so rich and um yeah it's 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 a i'm i'm actually in love with that record yeah it's fantastic i can't remember what the album's called but it's i think it's just called Juma. oh is it i think it's just called self this is just self-titled uh yeah it's out very soon and it is awesome and we will be doing something on that band soon for sure uh l do you want to field the next question yeah, I was actually just having a sneaky look at my textbook now because I'm really obsessed with it. Here's another good metal word. Moribundus, almost dead or dying. So obviously we have the word moribund, but moribundus sounds cool, doesn't it? Again, Harry Potter spell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> moribundus. Whatever. Yeah, Joe Bambrick asks, what band most surprised you when you saw them live, good or otherwise? So, um, good surprise was, was... or bad surprise? I was, tr- I was struggling to think of a band that I had such strong preconceptions of before that got totally upturned when I actually saw them. But just a few that sprung to mind. Um, the first time I ever saw Dillinger Escape Plan was actually at my first ever metal gig. They were supporting System of a Down on Toxicity at uh, Brixton Academy. And bearing in mind that at this point, System to me were the kind of heaviest and craziest and most out there music I listened to. I didn't know who Dillinger were. I never listened to them. Um, and I was surprised because it was just like, not like anything I'd ever seen before. And I'm not afraid to admit that it was far too much for me at that point. I didn't actually go back and listen to them for at least a couple of years afterwards because 
I was still, I mean, what was I, 14 or something? And I was just like, this is too much. This is mental. I can't, I don't know, how, I don't know what to do with this. Um, so that surprised me in one sense. Uh, the first time I saw Kvelatak was absolutely mind-blowing because I'd only very loosely heard of them or maybe I hadn't even heard of them at all. And someone uh, took me to see them at Sonosphere um, and uh, I kind of assumed they were just going to be like, you know, a black metal bands from Norway. And then when I kind of saw what they actually were, that just completely blew my mind. And they've been one of my favorite bands ever since. Um, Pearl Jam, which sounds like a weird one to say, but I saw Pearl Jam at Reading 2008, I think it was, and I thought they were okay. Um, I've always thought of them as being the least interesting out of the big four of grunge, if you can call them all grunge. Um, and then I went to see them again at the O2 a couple of years ago, and it was one of the best gigs I've ever been to. It was absolutely amazing. And I know everyone's always said how amazing Pearl Jam are live, but um, so it's not like I didn't think they were good, but um, finally getting to see them at their own gig and them doing the proper like three hour set, multiple encores, all that shit they do really was like, oh wow, okay, no, everyone was right. I'm full of shit. I love um, Pearl Jam. I love them. And uh, yeah, just a totally random one that I thought of when I went to see Faithless for the first time back in the day. I don't know if you guys remember that DJ called Milo who was around in the early 2000s. I remember some Faithless songs. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Faithless was supported by a guy called Milo who we'd only briefly heard of. And then he dropped that song. Remember Drop the Pressure? Bow, 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 now, bow, 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 now. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, that sounds like a hit. And within a year, it was like the biggest song in dance music. And I love that album. I still listen to it all the time. It's been 16 years and he's never done another one. What a prick. What about you, Jonathan? Um, well, in kind of the metal world, uh, unsurprisingly, they all probably all happened at Roadburn. Because uh, that's where you go to find out, discover stuff. And um, some, so there's some bands I'd never heard of. I just walked into the room and just was mesmerized, such as um, a band called Dark Buddha Rising, same town as um, Tampera in Finland, same town as Aransi Pazuzu. They have the Wasted Space Orchestra together. And their first singer was just this, he was, he was just this kind of, ripped shaven headed guy like holding up a skull with blood dripping down his arms wow and um not moving but he had this really deep doom voice and even he wasn't moving and and especially when he got this kind of really heavy funeral doom it was just you couldn't take your eyes off him it was one of the most mesmerizing I'd ever known. i was just walking past thought, oh i'll check this out and um uh and I just like I, I was just absolutely rude to the spot. Bands that were better than so much better than I thought they would be, even though I'd probably seen them live before, but seeing Candlemas, um, when they had these two sets, one like a current set with with the previous singer Rob Lowe, and one where they did I'm gonna get killed now because I can't remember the name of the album, but an, but an early album in full with Johan Linkvist, the um singer. And I don't normally sit for an entire two hour sets of road banks. It's usually like four different things going on at once, but I couldn't move from there. And the band that I had the biggest preconception over, and they were nothing like what I thought they were going to be. Uh, not really a metal band, but Magma, the sort of French mm. prog rock band, who I thought for years I just avoided them because I thought, oh, it's going to be that band that Steve, that Steve Davis likes. <laughs> and and when they got announced for Road Band, I was like, huh? What's, why? And then I watched it and I was like, 
it was like watching musical but on mars and i was so taken with it and i'm completely obsessed with them now um awesome yeah so uh, back in my sort of melody maker days there's been a few instances where i've i've, I've been to a gig a bands come out i've never heard of before and it's been just an absolutely revelatory experience um another new york band called blonde redhead first time i saw them was incredible and the band ended up on creation records called the telescopes uh and i was just like blew my blew my probably like little 20 year old mind at the time wow amazing that's some proper proper good shit uh l have you got any that uh come to mind for this any bands yeah i feel bad now for not having written an extensive list like you jonathan um, i didn't i literally i <laughs> i completely forgot to um think about this and i just saw on, on our printer and i just like oh shit what am i gonna think and just like that's what i came up with so i went on this music industry podcast yesterday or the day before i've lost track of days called dumb and dumbest what is time um, yeah and they were asking me about um writing for hammer and kind of how i got into it in the first place and i think i said before i answered um it was like a competition to write for metal hammer and everybody who entered had to go on a date to see a date of the tour for the band the berserker they're an um, australian grindcore band and because i wanted to write for metal hammer i entered the competition but i'd never heard of the berserker before and i didn't know anything about grindcore and i didn't even know that they were grindcore at the time i just saw it and thought i want to write for metal hammer i like new metal i'll just enter that competition so i got there and i like, got to the venue and stuff and the band were really cool um and then it just came out and i was like what is this because i didn't know about grindcore because if you think like back to when i mean getting into metal as a sort of 16 17 18 year old didn't have a lot of money and you still had to buy cds you couldn't just hear things online and i didn't have like a ton of super super metal friends just friends who were into kind of like you know the new metal bands and what was popular at the time so i just got there and i was like i have no idea what i'm listening to and for a time their drummer was apparently the fastest drummer in the world as well and it was a tiny little venue in sheffield called uh, well it was it's not tiny it's called corporation it's not a tiny venue but the room that they were in was tiny and um, I just felt like I was being pinned back against the wall by really extreme Australian grindcore. And I was like, okay, this is a thing. So... <laughs> were, they, were they wearing monster masks at the time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they had loads of electronics. Yeah. 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 I, I, I really love that band. They yeah. I mean, it was band. good, but I was, I just had no frame of reference and I just didn't know what I was letting myself in for. So it was a real, um, baptism of fire i guess <laughs> best one to have uh good answers one and all uh let's do one more question vivek Pawar asks will there be a van halen reunion tour or album um we have no idea and i personally don't care have you, have you bothered about a van halen tour at this point mm. not really but i'd like to hear jump live oh jump that's one of the worst songs ever no, it's, it's nostalgic it's like, yeah. what festival? Okay, I've, you know when you start a sentence and you realise you don't know where to go with it? I've done that. But which band was it at one of the festivals that is Europe, the final countdown? That's it. I remember everybody was like really excited to see the final countdown, but like not really about the rest of the set. I kind of think like for Van Halen, would it be like that? Would people ah. just be really into hearing well, jazz? Actually, I Van, Van Halen have much way I know they've got like loads more hits. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Actually, Europe is a band that really surprised me because when they played Bloodstock, I think it was Bloodstock they played. 
because uh, Joe Tempest is coming to the North Hammer office quite a bit, and he's actually a really, really nice guy. Yeah, yeah, he's really nice. So it turns out that um, the final countdown is actually by far their worst song, and every other song they've got was great. It was so good live. I was really not that. I was really not expecting that. And yeah, the final countdown was just this kind of slightly blaring nonsense compared to the rest of the set. I they were they were fucking great. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of people were literally just there to see that one song though is kind of I didn't mean to say like the, the rest of them are rubbish or whatever just that there was yeah, kind of but oh, I want to go and watch that to see the final countdown yeah but it's actually their worst song by a country mile well I, I think the same of Jump to be honest I think it's an awful song um, I mean Jonathan said it makes him nostalgic it makes me nostalgic for a time when I wasn't listening to that song every time I hear it basically Running With The Devil is good yeah um I mean, don't, I mean, if I'm like eight beers deep and they play Jump, obviously I'm going to have a lovely time, I guess. But yeah, like Panama, Running the Devil, Hopper Teacher, Ain't Talking About Love, What a Tune, Eruption, Ovs. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, if Van Halen... The thing is with Van Halen is like, I feel like them doing a reunion now would not be as big a deal as it would have been if they did it over here 10 to 15 years ago. Because I know they haven't come to the, U- the UK for ages, but I don't know. Just to me, as far as the UK goes, I just think they're a tier of a full tier below people like Guns N' Roses and ACDC and Aerosmith and all those kind of bands. I just don't. It's a different era, though. It's, I guess um, that's what I mean. Really, they belong to a slightly different thing in my brain. Um, but you know, I'd go. I'd go. But I'm afraid we don't have any insight. Uh, that is it for this week's show Uh, thank you very much for listening everybody we'll be back next week with the next edition of the Metal Hammer Podcast Hall of Fame and next week's induction will be none other than In Flames the kings of melodic death metal or certainly the biggest band in the history of melodic death metal Uh, a huge catalogue to pick from now as well if you go over to facebook.com slash metal hammer readers their entire discography is up there to vote for so you can vote for your favorite in flames album the two most popular choices will be entered into the debate for the metal hammer podcast hall of fame next week Um, i just have to say as well i've had a look at the early voting patterns i'm very alarmed by the amount of people voting for either mask so can you lot cut it out please because i really don't want to have to talk about that album next week it's not very good So if you could all just go on and vote for the old good stuff, that'd be great. Cheers, everyone. Uh, We'll be back then. Uh, Stay safe in the meantime and enjoy the sunshine this weekend if you can. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.